Hey community, Clarky here. What do Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, and Joe DiMaggio all have in common? That's right, baby. Championship rings. You know, if you head to supercoachchampion.com, they're offering free same-day delivery to Jock Reynolds listeners. Just use the code JR2021 at checkout, and you can grab this sweet deal to really flex on your friends when you win that ring at the end of the season. Community, enjoy the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Pocket Podcast for Melbourne. My name is Clarky and I am joined here with the one, the only, the beautiful man, Foz Daddy. Foz, how you doing? Clarky, I'm very excited. You know, the season's you know, only 45 days away at time of recording, so very pumped to be here and, and excited to get into the, the AFL Supercoach. Yep, it's very exciting on the lead up and... We're going to be talking about my boys, the Melbourne Demons, my beautiful, beautiful Demons. So we're going to run through, much like the other Pocket Podcasts, we're going to run through our locks, knocks, bolters, rookies, breakouts, makeouts, whoever you're going to pick. So I reckon we'll start with our locks. Uh, Foz, who have you got down as a lock for 2021? I think it's pretty obvious. I got a couple, Max Gorn, Clayton Oliver, just set and forget, two absolute premiums, two of the best players in their positions. Um, and we'll be right up there in terms of overall scoring as well. So just lock them away. Don't even worry about spending that extra cash. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you can go past Max Gorn or Clayton Oliver, really, if you're looking at top echelon midfielders. Um, another keen selection for myself would be someone like Christian Petraka. Uh, I know everybody loves to say Petrapa. Uh, last year, he was very much skeptical about his breakout. Uh, but playing more through the midfield, I don't see them changing that role. He was just so successful and so influential for the D's last year, um, and he's a little—he's a little bit cheaper than Clayton Oliver, and you're probably going to be getting around about the same output, maybe plus or minus a few points. But at the end of the day, he's not someone that you're going to be like, "Oh, I have to get rid of him straight away." Yeah, I think that's a pretty pretty fair uh, pretty fair assessment. I've actually got him as my knock, um, but that's only because he's lost his midfield. Um, oh, sorry, he's forward eligibility. He's only midfield eligible this coming season. So that's one slight knock. But as you said, he's a young bloke. He's coming through the midfield. He's going to dominate that centre square. Um, it's not like he's going to be coming back to a half-forward flank and playing the predominant minutes there. Uh, you know, I think he came, what, third or fourth in the Brownlow. They're not going to move him from that centre square and, and they're going to keep him there. Um, but yeah, just the only knock on him is the loss of that forward eligibility. Um, it would have been really nice to have him down there again, but he's still a very valuable and very potty sort of selection in your midfield this year. There's not many people want to select a bloke who was forward eligible and is it now only mid eligible. So um, still a very valuable selection, I agree. Yeah, and uh, just to quickly touch on Max Gorn, uh, I know the biggest, you know, uh, you could say another potential knock uh, coordinating with a lock, uh, Max Gorn is very highly priced, the most expensive boy in Supercoach 2021. And a lot of that could be, you know, put up to the elevated point scoring uh, in the shortened quarters. And Max Gorn definitely was somebody who benefited a lot from that scoring change. 
So, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're looking for a set and forget. Max Gorn, Brody Grundy, you ca- you got to consider either or both of them if you want to set and forget. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, uh, you know, it's one or the other. It's hard to do both, but in, in years gone past, you've always been able to afford or find a way to afford as the season comes to a uh, close to the start of it, you find that way to make that you know $1.4 million up and, and spend it on those two blokes because they're just two blokes you just really want to have come the start of the season because they're just going to be so consistent um, and there's no real contender for knocking either of them off the top two spots. So uh, if you can find someone cheaper, then it's good to get them in, but really they're, they're two absolute premiums. Absolutely. And uh, speaking further of knocks, uh, my knock is going to be one Stephen May. Um, He's someone who really benefited a lot uh, towards the back half of the year. Uh, Basically a general in the Melbourne defence, coordinating everything, taking kickouts, really good one-on-one contender. Um, But he's someone who, and we said it on the Essendon podcast uh, with Jordan Ridley, he's somebody who hasn't really been up at that top tier before. So really, it's kind of a bit of a gamble. So a bit of a knock on him, I think, a wait and see because he is working a lot uh, from the training reports on his one-on-one games to actually win contests and not just you know put up a really good contest. I reckon we'll move on to... Foz, who have you got as a bolter for the Melbourne Demons? So I think I have the same bolter as you do, mate. Um, one, Ben Brown. Obviously, very cheap after his season last year. Didn't have a great year dealing with a few issues off on and off the field, um, move to clubs and hopefully can get back to that, you know, $60 a, ga- uh, 60 a season form that he's been in, you know, the three years prior. So definitely one who is a very valuable uh, player for Melbourne um, and hopefully that can convert into some really good super scores as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's an ex-Coleman medalist for crying out loud. He's someone who is easily... Hopefully, I suppose, the answer for Melbourne's problems in conversion of inside 50s. Um, Tom Hawkins is probably the best alike, I could say, if you're looking for what a key forward can really do when everything is going, when all cylinders are firing and just everything is going right. So he's priced at, you know, the low 200s. So in a forward line that's already kind of a bit stretched, you know, you're picking upper echelon, you're picking Joey Danaher's, you're picking Connor Rosie's, it's all over the place with price. And I think Ben Brown is really much in that conversation of somebody who can probably elevate himself much more than where he's currently priced. And was I right in suggesting that he was your bolter? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, without a doubt, <clears throat> Ben Brown as a bolter is, is probably the uh, far and away the clearest bolter um for the melbourne everybody's kind of priced where they are um i think it's very easy to say that melbourne is a team for super coach relevance there's a lot of guys right at the top there's a few guys maybe at the bottom um you know and we'll we'll probably transition that very smoothly and not at all self-awarely into the rookies um who are we looking at as far as rookies go uh well i really like bailey bailey laurie um He's yeah, obviously one of those smaller size players who, who's brought been brought in because his ability to use the ball and his high IQ. Um, whether he's playing round one, I'm not too sure. You probably have a better read on it being a Melbourne man. Um, I'd say he's probably a little bit undersized, but very good chance of just plonking either on a half forward flank or on a wing and just giving the ability to to read the field and and make the correct decision uh, and use his elite boot. Um, but I think, yeah, he's a pretty pretty popular selection at Melbourne, at least. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
It's it's a very easy to say, especially as a supporter. One of the frustrations that came from 2019 and 2020 was inability to convert. Very, very good at getting the ball inside 50. Very, very bad at actually making the things that win you games from them. I believe they're called points or goals. Uh, I haven't seen that many of them in recent years. So uh, Bailey Laurie is somebody who's very clean ball user, a lot of needed skills in that forward transition. And he's 117K defender forward which is very rare uh, to get a good defender forward in Supercoach. So he could be quite easily um, you know, quite easily in the first selection. I had uh, another option who is somebody who is looking pretty good in all the training reports, but maybe a little bit further off the radar, which is Fraser Rosman. Um, just somebody who brings a little bit of X factor to the forward line. And I think that's really, as I've continuously said, which you're probably sick of me saying, it's that conversion which Melbourne are going to want to be looking at fixing as their biggest issue. We've got the runners, we've got the guys to bring the ball there, but how are we going to get it through the big sticks? So Fraser Rosman is somebody who can bring a little bit of that X factor, and he's still relatively cheap and he's mid-forward eligible. So definitely if he's named round one, and uh, I reckon he'll get a fair run at it. All right, I think we move on to our, our breakouts. Who's your who's your breakout for the for the year? C one Benethan Brown, I think, is a breakout opportunity. Uh, another very easy one. Um, I think he's just there's there's not really many people, as I said, there's not really many people in the midway who are sort of going to break out in that upper echelon. I think for Melbourne, you've got guys like um, you know Vandenberg, uh, even Oscar Baker gets a run through. I don't see it, you know. There's all these guys in the contested midfield, but I don't see any of them really jumping to that elite must-have. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I'll run you through mine. I won't say a name just yet, just to, to build that suspense, but I'll run you through some averages. Um, how does that yes, sound? Please. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. can you think of any player that has averaged 95.9, 89.7, 84.7, and then 97.6 in four consecutive years? And his price at three hundred twenty-three thousand. Is is this? Are you pantsing me in front of the whole podcast? No, I'll uh, I'll save you any embarrassment. Uh, it's Tom McDonald, and before oh. I hear before I hear you just moan and whinge about him, I'm not. I don't think I'll select him. It'd have to be. He'd have to put in a lot of work going into that pre, like obviously through the preseason and and you know. Early, early on before the season starts and maybe even round one, round two if he's playing well. But those four years coincided perfectly with Jesse Hogan's arrival and um, you know games that he played at Melbourne, those four years. Now, once he left, Tom McDonald had to take on that number one key forward role while Sam Wiedemann grew and matured and became a, a you know a regular football player for Melbourne. And that's when his averages started to go down. So his average dropped to 71.3 uh, in 2019 and then 60.1 last year when he had a bit of injury concerns as well. Now that Ben Brown has come to the side, do you think there's any ability or potential for Tom McDonald to be relieved a little bit, take on that second key defender, maybe even third key defender with Sam Wiedemann, you know, continuing to mature and play games? He could be another option just to you know, be that third tall players on that weaker defender and, and potentially score pretty well. Foz, you sweet summer child. That is far and away the best argument I've seen for Tom McDonald uh, since my my thoughts on him last year, where he could only go up. I think I, look, I think you're absolutely right. He is somebody who would benefit really from being a second defender target 
Um, he's he's proven that he's done it before with, as you said, with Jesse Hogan and Ben Brown bringing that. He just takes that number one defender. He takes that pressure off because that's Ben Brown's good at that. He's used to that attention. He's a tall, marking, leaping guy. And Tom McDonald is kind of, you know, he's a little bit more athletic, I would say. Um, very good with his hands. And absolutely, he's he's worked on his set shots. I think they'd be, they'd be crazy not to try and put him back up in that forward line. But I think the arguments that you can make for Tom McDonald, I think you could also probably just to step back, uh, you know, to breakout options. Sam Wiedemann, I think, probably falls into that bracket as well as somebody who could really benefit. And I think they're probably more likely to give Sam Wiedemann a run than Tom McDonald as like a number two guy. But that being said, it could go either way. I think both of them will be core to Melbourne's uh, marking marking targets, you know, yeah, and no, I agree with that. I, I guess it comes down to um, who their opposition week to week also thinks is that second most dangerous key forward target because, you know, Hawthorne might put, you know, uh, their second defender on them one week and then the next week Geelong's playing their third defender on Tom McDonald. So it could chop and change a bit and, and that just is going to change the delivery a little bit into the into the forward line. But I think, with yeah, adding Ben Brown into that, into the mix is going to really brighten up Melbourne's prospects of, you know, nailing that key forward um, on the lead. And it just allows those younger or, you know, not as good players as second and third tools to really um, shine as as what they are, I guess, structured or designed to do. Because Tom McDonald was never a key forward prospect. He was a key defender and then he switched forward to help out and then suddenly was thrown the keys to the engine um, or the keys to the car for Melbourne and, and had to steer that forward line and, Obviously, wasn't good enough to do it as a number one, but has proven that he's good enough to do it as a number two. So hopefully, we can see that Tom McDonald again. Yeah, and I think the injury concerns are probably a bit much uh, for me to take the jump on Tom McDonald as well. But fit and firing, definitely worth the consideration. Um, so we'll move on to the traps. Uh, I I do have one trap for Melbourne. It's not Christian Petrarca this year. Uh, for me, it's I, I, was, I stay away from Angus Brayshaw. He is one Brayshaw that will not break out. Um, 2018-2019 showed so much potential for Brayshaw, but he just wasn't. He just wasn't around the mark last year. And he's a he's a good footballer. I you know to say what you want about Supercage, don't take anything away from the skills of the individuals. But the competitive midfield group for Melbourne, I just don't think that he is around that top Clayton Oliver, Jack Viney, Christian Petrarca. Even Ed Langdon is um, probably a better prospect than Angus Brayshaw at the moment. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment on it as well. Um, Melbourne have obviously got a really young and really strong midfield. They're probably one of the better young midfields in the competition. There's just not room for, I guess, that sort of player who can play inside and outside at an okay, pretty good level that Brayshaw's playing at the moment. He obviously had that really good season. I think it was 2018. Um, but he's not really performing at a, a really high standard anymore, and, and Melbourne seems to be content with leaving him on a half-forward flank. So I imagine he'll probably stay there. Jack Vine is a sort of player who can only play in one position. He can't really go on the outside or go on a wing or a half-forward flank. He has to be in the guts. So I don't think there's that room for Brayshaw to play in that midfield role. Um, another one who you mentioned off-air was um, Harmsy, James Harms. Obviously, you say he's been training in the midfield, but similar to Brayshaw, I don't think he really has – I don't think Melbourne has the room to put him in the midfield consistently. He might get little spurts in there, 
you know, five minutes at a time every quarter, but that's not enough to really boost his average a lot. So he's my trap for the year. I just think he falls in that same sort of range as Brayshaw in terms of not getting those midfield minutes to prove his worth. Yeah, by all reports, I mean, Harms, he does he does want to play in the guts and he's a rough and tumble player and I think he's someone who wants to go hard at it, but um, I would definitely, I think that's a good call by yourself just to, even if he wants to be in the midfield, that good good wanting to play in the midfield does not always mean good super coach scores and I think Harms is probably not someone who should be in consideration. Um, but somebody who should maybe be on your wait and see lists or... Maybe just a hard pass, uh, quite not quite a trap, but somebody who's just not really going to get you anywhere. Who have you got as your uh, pass? For well, I've got, uh, you mentioned that uh, him in the last segment as someone who's going to play some midfield minutes, and that's Ed Langton. Uh, I think he you know, played on the wing a fair bit for Melbourne last year. They'd probably look to try and get him a bit more in that centre square around the bounce just to, you know, once someone pishes the ball out to him, he can use his kicking skills to hit targets. Going into the Ford 50, ideally, that'd be great. Um, but I just don't think that his ceiling is as high as, as some premium. So he's probably not going to make you that extra coin while still being a very valuable sort of player. Like he averaged, I think, 90 on the year last year, um, which is a very serviceable sort of player. But he's not priced at a point where if he was to score 90, he's going to make you loads of cash. At 487, you'd probably want to be looking at you know someone like a Ben Cunnington or a Jai Simkin, someone who's you know scored big and consistently before or is breaking out and and has had, obviously, like Jason can had a really good year last year and he's going to try and build on that, whereas Cunnington is around that same price again. But he's he's a proven premium who just had an off year last year who was injured and couldn't get his body right and by all reports is fit and firing now in this preseason. So he's probably one, just a hard pass, leave alone and, and look at someone else. Yeah, I think Ed Langdon is uh, somebody Melbourne wants to target as a ball carrier, but he's not a ball magnet. He's not He's not the likes of uh, you know Clayton Oliver or anyone like that. They want him in there. They want him to get the ball out, and just that's that's his role. So I think, yeah, he'll see a lot of it, but he's no no doubt he is in no danger of receiving some leather poisoning. Um, I got a pass for you. Uh, Jack Viney, he was an absolute cash cow last year. Um He's a very, very, very good tackler, very good at the ball. Like you said, he's just in that group. He's very in the middle, wants to be around the contest. But I think he's pretty much where he's going to be from now until the end of his career at Melbourne. Um, it's it's probably a pass from me just because even though he has the ceiling, you're going to want to pick someone who has a better floor. Um, he can be anywhere around from you. He'll score you a 120, and then he'll score you a 70, and then a 60. But then he'll win you back with a one, you know, 150 because he had 13 tackles, or it was just a good, good round for him. So, too much of a roller coaster for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Obviously, we saw last year with the high, the you know, highs and lows of him, and he started very cheap, which was great. You know, he started at that 440 price. Um, which was nice, and he, he came out with a 186 in that round one, um, which has got got everyone who hadn't had started with him to bring him into their side. Uh, and, you know, he pumped out a number of different scores. Like he had a, a period where he had a 123, a 120, and a 118 in a row. But then towards the end of the season, he tailed off 69, 73, 76. Scores that are not terrible, but they're not going to win you games, and especially late in the season. You, you probably wanted to have passed him on at that stage, and... You know, Simon Goodwin seems to like to have him as a bit of a tagger on some weeks and just play a bit of a run with role, which 
you know, it's fine for if he is able to tackle 10 times, but that's not going to happen every match. So it's really a case of, you know, once again, better players at that price point. We're still talking about, you know, can save yourself 40 grand if you, you know, pick up Cunnington or, or someone else like that. I just think there are better options. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, look, that about wraps us up here. Foz, have you got any final thoughts on the Melbourne Supercoach roundup for 2021? Uh, nothing except for just start Max Gorn, for the love of God. Just start Max Gorn. That's it. That's very good advice. Community, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Telebeats for the lovely intro, the iconic intro. And we'll see you in the next one. We love you all. Goodbye, community. Goodbye, community.